Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to Inside the Tunnel, brought to you by VG Scoop 24-7 Sports. My name is Andrew Alex, hanging with two of the three boys today, the head honcho, nowhere to be found, but Matei hanging out with us. Matei, how are you? Doing well. Excited to talk about football again. We have the spring game coming up, so hopefully we'll give you everything you need in this podcast. Doug, Evan's not here to say it, so I'll say it for him. The beard looks fantastic today. I always love talking about my beard on these things. It really gets me going. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. Well, welcome to the Inside the Tunnel Super Spring Game Preview Podcast. I know that some of you have been waiting literally years to hear a spring game preview from the boys at 247, and we'll bring it all to you. But I guess let's start it off. No spring game since 2019. means if you're a senior at Virginia Tech right now, you had one as a freshman, anyone younger than that. Just doesn't know what spring game is. Doesn't know what it means. Boys, how excited are you to have spring game back? And what does it mean for this program in transition? I think there can be a tendency to overrate the importance of a spring game. It's one of 15 practices I think they're allowed. But also it's valuable from a perspective of you've been practicing basically as only for your teammates and your coaches up until this point. And in the fall, you're going to be playing in front of 65, 70,000 plus people. A little different environment in terms of having to perform, having to um, execute plays and assignments and all that stuff with with literally thousands of people going on. So there's a I, I get a little bit of value um, in that, particularly like, you know, the, the quarterbacks and, and the kickers actually um are are a little noteworthy there other than that i you know i try not to read too much into it you're looking at individual players and how they've developed physically and where they are on the depth chart how much they play um how much they're a factor i I wouldn't put much stock at all in like how the offense looks right now and how like the downfield passing game or the red zone offense performs so it's it's always an interesting day, easy to overreact. You'll get some value out of it, and, and certainly it's like the first public unveiling of like just where is Jaden Keller on the depth chart, just where are certain guys um, in terms of their pecking order on the roster. So, so it's important from that standpoint. But like you could also just do a 15th close practice and call it a spring and, and get some stuff done as a team. So um, I'm I'm kind of wishy-washy on it. Matei, give me a little more positivity about spring game, <laughs> the event of the year. <laughs> well, I think for a lot of reasons, it's it's very important. It's the first spring game under Brent Pry that we'll be able to see what the offense is going to look like. That's been the biggest question of the offseason. And there's been so many position changes. I'm you know very excited to see how some of those guys line up. I do agree with Doug. It's going to be a bit of a glorified practice, a fan spectacle, but I still think they're going to try to make it interesting for the fans because 
This is the first time you're going to be able to see Brent Pry and his product on the field in front of all those fans. So I think he's going to do certain things during the game to make it interesting for the people in attendance. And I, I'm also curious to see like the quarterbacks going at it. If the, if there's going to be any big announcement, whether or not this is like the final test for who's going to be the starter because it keeps getting dwindled down. So there's a lot of things to look forward to. And I think this is, you know, you have everyone on the roster that you're going to be able to see. And, you know, after this point, it's final cuts. It's final names on the depth chart. After this, I think we're going to see a bit of attrition and kind of knowing where guys are going to stand heading into next year. To clarify here, you talk about it as a potential final test at that quarterback position. Do you really think that we'll go into summer camp where it's not an open competition as we saw with Justin Fuente each and every year. Could there be a clear front runner that's named going into summer camp? I think they, I think that's what they want to do. And I think from, you know, if you kind of read the tea leaves from the press conferences, they want to name a starter after spring. And I think it's clear that you have two guys right now in Grant Wells and Jason Brown that are at the top getting the bulk of the reps you know, under Justin Fuente, the number one guy wouldn't really be, you know, aside from last year where it was Braxton Burmeister's show, the number one guy really wouldn't be getting the bulk of those reps until later in the summer. So now you're installing a new offense. You want to get all the experience for that number one guy that you could possibly get. I think they want to make a decision sooner rather than later. Doug, if you could guess... Who's that quarterback going to be that shines? Who, who, I mean, obviously there's limited insight into what's going on within that room right now, but give me an educated guess from the man with the beard, the Oracle. <laughs> oh, you put me on the spot here to pick a starting quarterback. It's so with, and we will remember who you picked on April 12th. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Wells. I, I think if you value, if he values, Taking care of if this is Justin Fuente, Jason Brown's the starting quarterback a million percent. Uh, Brad Glenn talked about last week. He used the phrase, what "Was it grinding out completions?" Um, talking about his ability to kind of work through his progressions and make make what sounds like the safe decision to me, which you would expect from somebody experienced like that. Um, I th- they also said Wells's ability to throw the ball down the field. It's probably the best of the group there. That's what this Virginia Tech offense probably needs. They need a quarterback with the ability to push the ball down the field. When you look at Virginia Tech's skill position players, you know, there's nobody that's that's proven able to take the top off the defense. There's no, you know, elite level playmakers and guys that that'll be open down the field no matter who's playing quarterback. It feels like a group that you're going to need a quarterback to kind of throw him open um, and and make some plays just based on his ability to throw the ball down the field. So I think Wells, you know, I agree with Matei. It sounds a whole lot like they would really love to be able to name a number one guy and go through the summer with their number one guy. I wouldn't be shocked at all if it's just Brown and his experience and his experience playing in SEC in front of those crowds and all that stuff wins out. But like, well, Wells' ability, if him being the best downfield passer in the quarterback room means that, you know, he can generate the most explosive plays, 
I think for an offense that desperately needs that, I think he gets the nod. And and um, certainly as far as a program building perspective, if you're Brent Pry and you're looking at like, you know, we're a five and seven, this is seven and five kind of level program right now um, against the schedule that Virginia Tech has next season. Like I, I kind of would want it to be Wells just as that guy that you can get started with and, and count on him, not next year, but into 2023 and beyond. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing, too, that the staff has been talking about, even in the future at the quarterback position, that they'd like to get someone from high school that can come in and play early, inherit the playbook, and kind of stay there for a while, that they want that multi-year starter. Um, and, and just to add a bit more optimism to the spring game, I think it's a big question, what in general does this Virginia Tech offense need? Because I think when we think about the talent that's on the team. It's not the most talented offense. I don't think, you know, when you have a guy like Connor Blumrick, who's kind of been around at every single position, been a special teamer for most of his career. And, you know, he's a top 20 guy per the coaches and, you know, an X factor on the offense. I think that says a lot about the guys that are around him. So I think the benefit of being able to see what's going to be on the field on Saturday is, is there enough talent to go with, you know, the safer option of Jason Brown? If there is, he's probably your pick. But if you need someone to kind of open up the offense and use, you know, pure arm talent, throw guys open, I think Grant Wells is your guy. And I think right now we don't have enough indication which way Virginia Tech is going to go. And, you know, I don't I don't want people to look at the spring game and say, OK, this guy is going to, you know, be the next great thing at wide receiver or tight end. Because when I was covering in 2017, it looked like Caleb Farley was going to be the next great thing at wide receiver. And then he's moved to defensive back. So uh, I think we will see, you know, natural talent on the offense. And I think that's important to take note of and see which quarterback can really get those guys the ball. I, I'm interested I don't know what you guys think about this, but I'm interested in just how much they show at the spring game on Saturday. We, we, you know, it kind of became a punch in line late in the Fuente area. Like they're hiding everything and they don't want to show anything, but like this is the one time to hide it. Right. As a coaching staff after like the third game of the year this year, the book's going to be out on like Brent prize, Virginia tech offense. This is your one element of surprise you have to kind of keep things under wrap they're putting it on esp uh acc network it's going to be out there for everybody to see like if you're trying to get through odu and have an acc game in week two like are you putting much of anything on on film this year first of all going back to the fuente era they're hiding everything now it turns out that that was pretty much the uh that was the lump sum total of it <laughs> just after the short side yep it wasn't a diversion. That was a real play. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm totally curious too, right? Because I feel like there is this perception that our eyes are going to kind of be open, but I don't believe that we're going to get anything of any higher level of complexity than the baseline of what everyone assumes, which is a 60-40 run Big Ten style offense, right? Yeah, it's going to be a lot of running play. I think it's going to be pretty standard, but in terms of what was shown like at, at the previous spring games, like 40% of the spring game was individual drills. So, and there was only like a 20 minute period where they brought everyone onto the field to actually play against one another. So I think it'll be a bit longer. I think they'll show a bit more 
in terms of like trick plays and whatnot, I, I don't think so. But um, yeah, I, I'm curious too. I think I think they have to show a little bit. It's going to be televised. And again, this is like the, the staff is very aware of their social media presence, their marketing presence, getting guys in the boat and making things exciting. I think that's their brand. And the way they talk about being at practice and limit testing, I'd love to see some limit testing on Saturday. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I, I think this is like the one year to like tone it down, I guess. But like, I think I think what you said is correct in that they have to show something maybe not for the fans as much as they've got to they've got to get answers on 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 like wells versus brown you've you can't expect to like make a make if you want to make a decision you've got to you've got to test them in front of a, a relatively sizable crowd so i don't think like i think prize said last week he wanted to do two like normal football quarters at least um i think you I don't think the entire two quarters will be like full throat, like show it all off, let it rip. I think you'll have to um, pay close attention to certain plays and certain sequences of like, okay, that was like the hundred percent regime tech offense right there. And then there'll be other portions where you're watching it. Like, yeah, this is pretty bland stuff right now. I totally feel where you're coming from there. Before we go on into individual matchups and position battles and players that we're watching, I have to ask kind of the question that has lit the internet on fire, how inflation has hit the Virginia Tech football program. Spring game, once free, now costs <laughs> $5 to attend for a fan base that was falling apart at the seams already. Could this be the dagger that does, or should I say undoes? all the progress that might've been made on a public relations front by hiring Brent Pry. What is the inflation rate on something that was previously $0? But Tay's the math guy. I don't know. 500%. Let's, <laughs> let's call it a $5. I, I don't think it does anything. The kind of people that attend the spring game that go to Blacksburg for a weekend in April um, to watch a glorified scrimmage. Um, are the people that are more than willing to pay $5. Uh, you know, half of them are probably already Hokie Club members that are just completely fine with that. Um, I There's programs all over the country charge money, some even more than $5 for their spring game. Uh, it was a lost funding opportunity for years and years as – Virginia Tech seemingly could not get enough recruiting staff for positions or pay the ones they did have a uh, a market rate. While I mean, you can just do the simple math of like 20,000 20, people show up paying five dollars um, ahead. You're going to generate a little bit of revenue there that can that can help help your program. So I think it's I think it was long overdue. Not only that, but I mean, most people going to the game are probably tailgating, probably buying some sort of beverage 
if you're going to go to Kroger and load up on all those things and you have a Kroger card, which I assume a lot of people do if you're going to the Virginia Tech spring game, you you're probably saving way well over $5. So this game is still free by Kroger saving standards, and we are not sponsored by Kroger, by the way. That's because Matei loves Kroger. <laughs> but if Kroger is interested, please contact us. We're a sponsored <laughs> podcast now, so it's, it's kind of a big deal. In all seriousness, I mean, of course, I agree with you that pretty much anyone who attends a essentially a practice between Virginia Tech, you know, a combination of the first and second teamers, which really will only amount to about half of, if not a third of the time where the players will be recognizable to the average fan. You're probably a, like a psychotic Virginia Tech. So am I. Nothing wrong with that. But looking at this and the fact that spring games back for the first time in three years, where do we expect the attendance to be if you just had to give a ballpark estimate? I, I threw out that 20,000 number. That feels right to me. Back in the heyday, the peak of Virginia Tech spring games, it was north of 40,000, maybe even north of 50,000. You know, Virginia Tech is 24 and 23 over the last four seasons. New head coach has some people excited. You know, it feels like unlikely that it's going to be back at that peak right away. 20,000. I don't know. That feels, feels sort of right. Right. Yeah. I would say, I would say like 14,000 plus. I mean, this is, again, you're paying $5 for a ticket stub. There's going to be a lot of people coming into town to claim those stubs. Say they went to the first spring game under Brent Pry. There's say a lot they went of people to the first that, spring game that cost money. <laughs> exactly. There's a lot of people that haven't experienced this before. A lot of people that may come back into town. Um, it, it's a spectacle. It's, it's going to be great weather. Um, not only that, but, uh, you know, the run of remembrance on campus will bring a lot of people back as well. So I think there's a lot of reasons to be in Blacksburg this weekend. And I think, you know, 14,000, 20,000, those sound like solid numbers. Let's get right into the ins and outs of the game here. Doug, who's the under the radar player that you're keeping an eye on in the spring game? I think it's got to be Jaden Keller at linebacker, either him or the McDonald twins. You just want to know what they're, I mean, we haven't seen them play football basically, but Keller is kind of the guy, I mean, he turned heads in a big way last preseason, didn't get on the field very much at all, uh, which was a staple of the Fuente era. You know, Alan Tisdale has been that, that starter at that linebacker spot for the last three years. He's probably going to be that starter again, but it's not hard to, it's not hard to see Jaden Keller either beginning to rip some reps from from Tisdale this season or just kind of establish himself as the heir apparent there and a future, you know, two, three, two, three year starter at that spot. Um, he's kind of that. Of the players Virginia Tech's brought in in the last, you know, handful of years, he's kind of that guy that. Um, feels like he has a high level ceiling. I think that's really what this spring game should be about is like, we we know what Dax Hollyfield is about. We know what Nick Gallo is about. We know what Jalen Holston's about. We know, you know, you could even say you pretty much know what Dorian strong, but it's like that next wave of players that, that may not play like critical roles on the 2022 team, but going forward in the 2023 and beyond is I think when you're, when you're looking at the process Pry is undertaking, that's that's kind of the lens you have to look at the spring game and probably most of the fall is like who who's emerging as those guys. I think Keller is, is certainly one of the 
one of the future guys to watch on defense? I'll give you two. I'll give you one on offense, one on defense. Wow. So throw me under the bus. <laughs> you didn't have a lot of time to think about this, but um, I'm going to go with Steven Gosnell because although Evan talked about him for 15 minutes and his two catches for 11 yard career <laughs> totals, um, you know, he kind of tells you how far this wide receiver room can go because we're assuming Jaden blue is going to be the number one. We know what we have in Caleb Smith and Dwayne Lofton. We expect to, to make a big jump, but outside of them, there isn't a lot in this wide receiver room. And this is a guy that's listed at slot. That's six, two and 215 pounds, you know, did enough in high school to make it to UNC and was talented enough to stay there for a year. But um, I, you know, I think he could be someone that I, uh, you know, I'm really curious to see like w- what his game is about. If he's, you know, a favorite of either of the two quarterbacks that are vying for that number one. Uh, and again, just as far as he goes, I think this wide receiver room will go. And then defensively, I think Cole Nelson's a big one. Um, just, you know, replacing Amari Barno, who's kind of that key guy, on the defensive line, you still have three starters back, uh, but finding a guy that can really be that pass rusher. And we've heard so many good things about Cole Nelson, how he's transformed his body this off season, uh, you know, six, three, two you know, prototypical type of end. Uh, and now it's really his spot to seize. Can he fend off some of the other guys? You know, it's, it, it is a deep, uh, defensive line group, but I think the the top tier qualities that you're looking for in a starter, I think Cole Nelson has the most of those. So seeing what he's able to do and the battles that he can win uh, against the offensive line is what I'm looking out for. If I had told you in September that the story of the offseason in 2022 would be Connor Blumrick it would probably cause much panic within the Virginia Tech fan base. But here we are, Connor Blumrick, athlete now, as officially listed on Virginia Tech's website. I saw him at practice catching passes. We know that's kind of going to be his role. If you guys had to guess, how are we going to see Connor Blumrick used at the spring game? A little betting action over under 1.5 catches for Blumrick. I'm going over. Always hit the over, baby. And, <laughs> and he feels like the like what we were talking about earlier, the guy that you kind of want to keep under wraps. To me, I, I'm not showing much of Connor Blumwick. I doubt he's just a, a true wide receiver all the time in this offense. I doubt he's like suddenly only playing outside wide receiver, only lining up at outside wide receiver. If I was Tyler Bowen, and I'm, I've clearly made a big deal about Connor Flumrick playing um, all over the place on offense, not quarterback. You know, I think that's if if he's really going to be like a a Swiss Army knife kind of guy on this offense in the fall. Like I'm not, I'm not showing it during the spring game. I might, I might line him up out wide, throw him over one and a half passes on like simple outside routes that like any defensive coordinator in the country could prepare for in their sleep. But like, I don't think this is going to be the grand unveiling of the Connor Blumrick 
H-back hybrid, do everything, line up all over the field kind of role. Um, I don't even know if it gets to that point in the fall, but like, I think he'll be a factor and enough to kind of, you know, show some stuff, but he's certainly one of the guys where you're like, him and like Chance Black at running back that they keep talking about is like a guy they move all over the field and then like his big playability. Like, I think you, I think, I think you keep them under wraps for now. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. I don't, I don't, I'm going to go under, honestly. I, I don't know if he's going to catch a pass in this, in the spring game. I think, you know, it sounds like he's going to be more of a, you know, under Fuente, it didn't seem like a very traditional H back. It just seemed like a second tight end. Um, but I would, you know, just the way they talk about his athleticism and whatnot, and, you know, seeing as he just transitioned to catching passes, maybe he has over 1.5 drops. I don't know. But he seems more like a guy that you want to have in like a running situation, like uh, bring him in as a wildcat type quarterback. I, I don't know. We'll see. For a potential jet sweep. For a jet sweep. First quite a different, quite a different reaction from Matei on, on Blumrick this, in 2022 than 2020. Honestly, you know. He would have been did, all over the over in 2021. I, I used to do it half serious. Half serious. And everyone thought I was crazy. I couldn't even say the guy's name right. And now the coaches are doing it for me. I mean, it's it's unpopular to to jump on the Blumrick bandwagon. He's a top 20 player. That's what we know about him. Um, <laughs> we don't know who else is in that top 20. But, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I'm with Doug, though. I don't think they show a lot of him. And quite honestly, I'm a little scared that he's been getting so much praise I, opposed to like all the other wide receivers or tight ends on the roster that have just been pretty much solid. So they have to show something with him. I'm sure he'll be on the field for, you know, numerous reps, but in terms of him and his playmaking ability, I, I don't know. I think, I think Matei hit on something right there at the end. Like if you have the option be between like Dwayne Lofton and Jalen Jones and Christian Moss having a big day versus Connor Blumrick, I, I think you're going Lofton Jones or like those are the guys Virginia Tech really needs to develop and bring along and have become like key pieces of the offense. I'm going with the storyline. I'm riding the wave. Connor Blumrick, the potential Heisman candidate out of wide receiver, make the turns to the next Julian Edelman in the NFL. Who knows? Not only do we know, not know who the other top 20 best players on the team are, we don't know where Connor Blumrick ranks within that top 20. He could very well be number three, and they're just, again, trying not to show their hand. Uh, Doug, you mentioned in your article, uh, which is on btscoop.com, definitely recommended to everyone, but underrated position battles, the third-string quarterback battle. We know who number one and number two are going to be, but when you look at Bullock and Farrell, do you think that there's a chance that Farrell does jump Bullock on that depth chart? And if he does in the spring, does that mean Bullock's gone? I would be surprised. I mean, to answer your question, your second question, like gone, maybe not yet, but it's not a good sign for him. If he's, if, if you know, Farrell enrolled in, in January and if he's already passed them, that's one impressive on his part. And two, um, like, I, I don't look, I don't know how, what it would take then for Bullock to re, to jump back over Farrell, 
Um, but that's like that's also like a roster program management test for Pry. Like if Bullock and Farrell are are close, like you're you're redshirt and Farrell and, and keeping Bullock as your number three. Like there doesn't have to be a definitive winner for that to be the obvious decision. Like from a program management standpoint, there's no reason like to 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 waste Bullock or waste a redshirt year for Farrell if if they're pretty if they're pretty close. That's one of the like yeah, that's why I included in my article it's like kind of the dark horse thing to watch. Like everybody's gonna be paying attention when Wells and Brown are on the field, but I think like Brown and I mean Bullock and Farrell could be just as interesting. The winner, whoever eventually uh, wins that battle or, you know, arguably is the quarterback of the future, arguably is going to eventually compete with Grant Wells for the starting job in 2023 or 2024. So like, that's like the early, early, early indicator there. I'll be interested to see if they, they talked about doing it last week a little bit with those two guys, but if they turn them both full, fully live and let them get hit, let them um, let the defenses get after them a little bit, just to get an evaluation on them in a real life game. Um, you know, I think you can look at Brown's film at South Carolina and Wells's film at Marshall and kind of get a sense of what they can do in a real life game. But you certainly want to do that with, with Farrell and Bullock too. So maybe they've already done it at this point in practice or, or scrimmage. Um, and, and it won't be a thing this spring, but you know, maybe they, maybe they let them go fully live and and see what that looks like. Um, but certainly one of the things to watch, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't stop paying attention if Brown and Wells aren't on the field on Saturday. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast so i have an interesting question right and we spent so much time during basketball season talking about guys who are on the bubble well there's probably a bunch of guys on virginia tech's current roster who are on the bubble of should I stay or should I go? And when that depth chart comes out at the end of the spring, they'll make a decision. But tell you, who are those guys? Putting me on the spot here. I think... Um, the name of the game. We don't prepare for this podcast at all. <laughs> I think that there's a few guys. And, you know, Jalen Griffin is one of them. He's he's shown that he's wanted to stay, fight it out. Uh, Nyquee Hawkins 
is another one that's kind of been around for a while, been at multiple positions. Can he break through? Um, you know, even a guy like DJ Harvey, I know he's young, but he came in with sky high expectations. And, um, you know, if he can't beat out a Dorian Strong, Breon Murray or Armani Chapman, you know, if he's sitting at fourth and, you know, he sees his classmate Jalen Stroman playing, you know, how does that make him feel? So I think there's a there's a couple on the defensive side. And then obviously you have to look at running back on the offense. I mean, which there's going to be like a three man rotation, I would say. And, you know, whichever guys I, I would imagine that Jalen Holston will play a role. Malachi Thomas will play a role. It seems like Kashawn King will play a role and Chance Black will kind of be all over the field. Bryce Duke has been moving up, but any of the other guys that I didn't list, you know, a Kenji Christian, will he end up going into the portal? Um, so I think you really have to look at that running back room. I think that's going to be the most of the attrition in terms of position groups. Yeah, I think they covered it. Uh, the running back spot is the obvious. I mean, we've talked about the running back spot for months now. It is it is amazing that only Taj Gary has, has been in the portal since. I mean, that's been a full room for like over a year now. Um, but I think. I think Matei covered the the quote unquote contenders there, um, Thomas and Holston. I, I you know I think I think King and Black are kind of battling for the same role, and maybe they're a little redundant. So maybe you only pick one of those guys there. So you know if I'm I mean just throwing that out there, if, if Chance Black is the guy there, and, and Kashawn King's looking at his junior junior year um, behind Chance Black at that spot as like the fourth running back, that wouldn't be that. In today's world, that's certainly a, a portal possibility. And then the other guys, Christian, Jalen Hampton, Jordan Brunson, you know, it's, they've only been there a couple years, two years, or this is their first spring, actually, I think. Um, so, I mean, those guys, and there's nine of them. You're not going to, nine guys on an 85 scholarship uh, limit is, is tough. So I think you're going to see some movement there. And the, those are the obvious guys. Maybe a couple at wide receiver uh, you know, look at a guy like Dallin Wright, who's been kind of knocking on the door for a while, and you wonder if eventually um, that I don't know fizzles out like that. I mean, those those are the kind of guys in the, in their second and third year. If you're not moving up the depth chart, depth chart seems like um, maybe maybe you start to see them look around. All right, last one I got for you on the spring game offense. Let me kind of wrap this up with final expectations. When I was at practice, for the most glorious moment of my life. The offensive line from left to right was as follows. Silas Chancey, Jesse Hansen, Johnny Jordan, Caden Moore, and Parker Clements. Is there anyone else that we feel is truly competing to get into that group? I know the transfer portal was attacked, but as we look at the different permutations of the offensive line during spring game and we watch it for the third time, who are you looking at the reps for as someone that is currently on the roster that – might be able to break into that starting offensive line, or at least will be a key reserve. Uh, I don't think there's anybody that can break into that starting five on the roster right now. Uh, that feels pretty set. Uh, and it's not particularly encouraging in that sense. Uh, that's a decent offensive line. Um, I was writing an article today for this week. I think Virginia Tech would consider themselves reasonably comfortable with that first five, but like still not that super comfortable with it. Uh, so, I, I mean, if you're the two, the two things to watch in the spring game on Saturday are the quarterback spot and the offensive line. Like you, if you, 
if you wanted to just watch the offensive line the entire day and not pay attention to anything else happening, I think that would be reasonable because that's how important figuring out what's happening on the offensive line is going to be to the 2022 season. Virginia Tech's top five could be pretty decent, pretty, you know, enough in the coastal, but there's a lot of question marks around Janzi at left tackle, obviously Hansen, Hansen at um, left guard. Um, I feel pretty comfortable with Jordan and, and Caden Moore at right guard and, or center and right guard and then and, and Clements first chances of full-time starter right tackle. First of all, those guys have got to be decently, consistently decent and 100% healthy for the whole season, which seems unlikely. Beyond that, like it could get it could get ugly real quick if if it, unless Joe Rudolph comes in and works some some magic. You're looking at like Bob Schick, Will Jones, um, Jack Hollyfield, those kind of guys. As like those are you absolutely need them to become ACC level offensive linemen by September. Uh, and and I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if I mean like that's why Virginia Tech is going to be certainly looking at the portal for an offensive line. But that's them and every single other program in the country probably will be or most of them will be looking for some level of offensive line help. So that's a huge position. There's many many questions. I mean we've seen we've like we saw what what happened to Florida State's program when their offensive line was absolutely atrocious. Like it's the one spot that can just decimate your program immediately and just same in Miami, really. In Miami, I mean, Clemson, Clemson still went nine and three last year, but it was the same thing where they like you cannot be a functional football team without a functioning, decent, stable offensive line, and and like this is this is like code red worrisome levels of depth at offensive line for Virginia Tech right now. Um, so like that's those are the if you're if you would just want two things to watch on Saturday, it's it's the quarterbacks and then like anybody playing offensive line. Like I even want to see Dimitri, what's his name? Dimitri Georgia Papadis, like six foot <laughs> six six foot nine offensive tackle. Like, can he be something? Former basketball player, so he's got a little of athleticism there. Um, like there it's so many questions on that offensive line. Yeah. And it's interesting too. You hit on a lot of really good points and, you know, after the spring, there's going to be a ton of attrition for Virginia tech, but you know, nationwide, there's going to be a ton of attrition as well. So can you find someone and then can you find someone that you can coach up to speed with only the summer to go to be ready for the fall to potentially break into the top? to the starting five, you know, that's a really tough question. I think there'll be some quality candidates. They might even go after a guy that they know can just be depth for them. And I think that's the biggest thing with this offensive line that you covered. There's not a lot of depth. You have Bob Schick and you have Will Jones, a former walk-on that are probably your two guys that you can, you know, spell reps for on, on this offensive line. I think there is someone on the roster that's not currently in the offensive line room, and that's Caden Moore's brother, Braylon Moore. Um, I think with this spring, I know there's already been a ton of positional changes. I don't think it's the end of them just yet. I could see Braylon Moore being pulled over to the offensive line group. Raw potential is there, obviously needs to be coached up, working at, I think, defensive end right now. but he's a guy that I think, you know, could be maybe not this season, which is tough to say, but, um, you know, someone that could work behind Jesse Hansen and push him. And I think you need guys to push 
the guys currently inhabiting those roles on the starting offensive line. Um, because right now you you kind of have that comfortable starting five where you don't really have guys behind you breathing down your neck, uh, which we saw, you know, a bit more of last year. And if there's anything I know about Joe Rudolph and watching Wisconsin for years and years, he likes playing a lot of offensive line. He will have packages in games with seven offensive linemen. Right now, Virginia Tech does not have seven quality starting offensive linemen, so they're going to have to find depth, whether that's pulling them, you know, a Gunner Givens if he's going to stay at defensive tackle for the remainder of his career, or Braylon Moore who could follow in the footsteps of his brother who played as a freshman, um, or just going to the transfer portal and coaching someone up. They're going to have to find solutions because right now, when you look at this offensive line, like injuries will happen. It's the most physical, you know, aspect of football in the trenches. And you got to make sure that you have someone to come and fill the shoes of the person in front of them. Yeah, you truly are as strong as your weakest link in this game. And I think that Virginia Tech fans will uh, remember very specifically back to 2018 when the injuries started piling up with the defensive backs and that got out of control in a hurry. But Matea, at least forget you're a Wisconsin fan. Same here. Grew up a Wisconsin fan. My uncle just sent me a bunch of hand-me-down Wisconsin golf shirts. So I'm going to be looking good, confusing a lot of people. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of Wisconsin, while Matei was talking about if Virginia Tech's going to look in the offensive line for transfer portal and who they could get that could come in and start right away, it triggered my brain. I was like, the 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 people that could come play for Joe Rudolph right away are Wisconsin offensive linemen. They have 15 offensive linemen on the roster. 11 of them have been there for two years or more. You know, maybe we see some attrition out of Madison, get the Madison to Blacksburg pipeline going. If anybody if anybody enters the portal from Wisconsin, that's an offensive lineman, you know, look out. What are the poaching rules nowadays? <laughs> there are no rules. <laughs> I mean, Doug, that's an excellent point, honestly. <laughs> now you got my hopes up because, yeah, whoever that seventh offensive lineman is at Wisconsin right now, who was probably recruited by Joe Rudolph, might be getting uh, a little bit of cold feet about staying in the frozen tundra that is Madison, Wisconsin. Probably pretty come cold on the bench when you're not playing. Yeah, come to Blacksburg, the the warm uh, tropical climate of Blacksburg. <laughs> come to Blacksburg, where we travel to Miami every other year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In Blacksburg, it's warm until it's not during football season. That's uh, pretty much how it goes. Okay, last one, quick hitter, off-topic basketball. Nahima Lean, transfer portal. John Ojiaco. Transfer portal. Justin Mutz testing the NBA waters. I don't know how much the NBA waters are going to be willing to test him, but he is not signing with an agent. Where do you guys stand on these departures? Uh, Aline was expected or uh, not surprising. Yeah, I think uh, we had talked about that before the tournament even started. It was like Aline or Maddox. Like there's there's just not enough minutes next year for for either of those guys to still be on the team. If you're talking about like, obviously they both want to play. They both want to start. They both want to have significant roles in the offense. They're just, I mean, something had to give there. Um, not surprised that it was a lean. If that means Maddox is sticking around, that's, that's good news. I, th I think he still has some developing into a more complete player. Um, but I mean, clear, clearly if you can put Padula, Couture, Maddox on the, perimeter you can shoot shoot the lights out of the ball 
uh, most games. So not surprised with Aline uh, and Ojiako is the other one that entered the portal today. Not surprised there. He just wasn't, could never get on the floor there. Um, Mutz and Aluma still like they're not NBA prospects. They got, they got some developing left to do before they get on to like the end of an NBA bench, potentially after a couple years in Europe. And maybe they want to do it in Blacksburg one more year, run it back and see what happens. Um, so, I mean, that's that's the that's the next domino to fall, probably in terms of the Virginia Tech basketball offseason is because they've either those guys are coming back or Tech's got to really go after some high level uh, front court transfers. So um, I don't know when they have to withdraw from the NBA draft or whatever to preserve the eligibility, but. It does seem like waiting all the way through will be uh, would be problematic for building next year's team. So uh, it's an interesting time to like, how do you how do you ask Mutz and Aluma to make a decision and let you know one way or the other when they don't know and they might not know and you're like forcing them to make a decision before they have to or they're ready, but you need to like. I don't know. It's it'll be interesting. My gut feeling says that one of Aluma or Mutz comes back. I'd be shocked if both. I mean, obviously, both of them put it out there. As of now, you're kind of expecting both not to return. Uh, but I would be surprised if both left uh, for good. And you know, in terms of of the guys that Virginia Tech has lost, I mean, obviously, guys kind of with with Aline, it's the bigger one just because of what he was capable of, but the inconsistency in his game definitely showed more this season. And with all the help they're going to get in the backcourt, the writing was on the wall. Um, I still think he can land at a very good school and someone will make good use of him. I'm interested to see what happens with Ojiako. Obviously, you know, big man with a ton of athleticism just couldn't quite put it all together for Mike Young, and I know his system asks a lot of, of big men, but um, curious to see where he goes, but, you know, opens up some spots for Virginia Tech, so they'll definitely be looking. Aline, Aline seems like a guy that would, like, be a really good fit for, like, a Richmond that's, like, down a level, still pretty good, and they run an offense that's, like, not reliant on him beating somebody off the dribble and, like, cuts and passes gets him open that feels like a good spot for him Ojiako probably needs to like move down to two division one levels to to find some playing time but um yeah I, I I agree with Matei it feels like one of the two and I feel like of Mutz and Olumo are likely to or seem potentially able to come back I feel like it's probably Mutz at this point Aluma said something to the Roanoke Times that was like paraphrased, but it was like you only get so long to play basketball and it, sometimes it's just time to get it started. So that, that kind of seems like what what you think, like are you going to spend a sixth year in college doing the same thing you've been doing or like if you're a Luma and you can go make a bunch of money living in, you know, Italy or something um, that seems preferable i mean <laughs> at some point you're just like i'm not gonna be playing basketball until i'm 35 or 30 even um and you just want to get 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 on with it so so at this point i think we probably all agree much is not going to be an nba draft pick he might even be a fringe undrafted guy so does the return of justin mutz to virginia tech basically rely on how high in the European basketball league hierarchy they project him to. Yeah, I think, I think, I think so. 
um you're you're basically like do i want to go is it worth it to go play in like slovakia versus spain like the like two completely different leagues and different salaries and all that stuff so you're like I guess you're wonder, you're wondering that, and that's probably why you're testing the NBA draft waters. It's not really NBA draft waters. I'm sure there's international scouts all over the pre-draft stuff as well for for all those big big Euro League teams. So um, that that probably feels what it's like, and like you're. I mean, it's a I, that's a tough decision, like especially coming off like an NCAA tournament appearance and what Tech did in March. I'm sure there's a. I'm sure there's a certain pull to to run it back and and just do one more year with Couture and Maddox and Padula coming back. It's a pretty strong quartet that you can have there if if you come back. But then you're like, I could just go be a professional basketball player, not live in Blacksburg. No, no offense to Blacksburg, uh, but like living in Europe somewhere um, and and not have to like fake be a student. Obviously, he's probably taking only online classes by this point and doing as little as possible to like stay eligible. Um, sorry, Justin, if you're making making the most of your. Uh, hey, he was the smartest athlete in the ACC last year. He is. But like if I'm in my <laughs> sixth year in college on my third university coming back for another year, I'm taking the easiest online class as possible to keep myself eligible or indoor plants. And all you do is go work out at the gym and, and play hoops. It sounds really nice to do in Blacksburg. And but you could also do that in, you know, Madrid. I don't know. Yeah. And make 400K <laughs> and see the world. Yeah, I can. All right, gentlemen. Well, that's going to do it for us here today. Any final parting thoughts for our friends here before we shut this one down? Have fun if you're going to the spring game. Be safe. Wear sunscreen and uh, post any of your pictures on the board. I won't be there, so I'd love to see uh, what everyone thinks of it and just any photos and anything will help in in envisioning that. Wear sunscreen seems targeted. Doug, what do you have to say? (laughs) Sunscreen's a good call. Uh, I'll also say welcome back to Bill Roth as the voice of the Virginia Tech Hokies. Uh, And congratulations to a man that Matei and I know pretty well, Danny Noakes, on getting the call on the Virginia Tech IMG Sports Radio Network this Saturday. Um, Should be fun. So enjoy enjoy all that stuff. And, And it's on television, so you can watch it over and over again. Matei, if people want unlimited, unfettered access to VT Scoop, what should they do? I only know one place and, you know, come to VT Scoop, sign up, come check us out. VIP. VIP, sign up. We'll probably have a deal for the spring game too. So shout out to that. I hope that's, I hope that's right. And you just didn't make that up. Sorry, Evan. (laughs) He may have just spoken into existence. (laughs) Hey, Evan, we need a spring game deal. (laughs) All right, folks, we'll probably come back. Doug, what do we have planned? A spring game recap at some point? We got a couple of spring game previews and a recap and, you know, you know, all the all the usuals. Yeah. Spring game recap one, spring game recap two, just parsing it all out. Regardless, we'll be back. Subscribe to this podcast. Check out VTScoop.com. Enjoy the spring game. First one since 2019, baby. Should be a good one. As always, go Hokies. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present a mountain of zen this earth week you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on paramount plus paramount plus official streaming partner of the national park foundation